The call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's roll, boys. Come on, let's get going. We are kicking. Here we go. Oh, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Watch the blue. Play the puck. Run to it. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Yeah, baby. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Let's go. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. Josh, it is the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, and players on the ice are providing us with plenty of hustle and bustle and action and activity. <laughs> it's it's like holiday shopping out there on the ice. Everybody's elbowing for room. They're trying to get position. You're driving somebody into the glass so you can take advantage of those holiday sales, and uh, hopefully you're staying legal. Not everybody is. And, you know, some would rule differently as to whether it was an offense or not, but we'll get into that on this edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure, as always, we ask you to follow us on the social channels on X and Instagram. Find Josh at Scouting the Refs. And on X and Instagram, I'm at Todd Lewis Sports. Coming you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm sorry, Todd. I'm still, I'm not sold on the X thing. I feel like you every don't like time the it's, X? it's X, formerly Twitter, they always have to put both things out there because nobody knows what X is if you just say X. This is, uh, Elon, you're, you're really making life confusing. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the only one. Okay, let's get to this week's episode. All hits from behind are not created equal. A dangerous trip or two, vigilante justice, that shot is going to cost you, and another shootout goal gets reviewed. You know what? Let's start with the, the penalty shots, the shootouts kind of thing. It was a week or a couple of weeks ago, we had the dreaded double tap or double touch, whatever you want to call it it but this one was involving the game between the minnesota wild and the calgary flames matt's zuccarello scores on goaltender dan vladar but this one also required a little bit of additional scrutiny to make sure that this goal would count and help clinch the victory for the minnesota wild josh i know that some people were shall we say confused about the ruling on this one yeah, this is a a tough one because folks are are really serious about their penalty shot rules and the penalty shot rule is what applies in the shootout here. And a lot of folks are used to how it gets called and they're they're not wrong because typically the play is stopped when there's a rebound or when the goaltender touches the puck, but that's not exactly what the rule is. It's not when a goaltender touches the puck. That does not kill the play. The play is not dead when the goaltender touches the puck. The play is dead when there is a rebound because a goal cannot be scored on a rebound for there to be a rebound there has to be a shot zuccarello is not shooting the puck here when vladar goes for the poke check and and it's actually hard to tell if he makes contact or not but either way it was a failed poke check because zuccarello maintains possession of the puck and then puts a shot on goal which goes in so this is one of those plays unlike the double tap that was a shot on goal a rebound and then then subsequent shot back in Zuccarello's not taking a shot here. He's stick handling. We have a failed poke check. Even if the goaltender touches the puck, that does not end the penalty shot. It ends when the puck is stopped. It ends when there is a rebound. A deflection is not a rebound. So good goal, Zuccarello. I'm, I was surprised actually at the controversy of this, but I think it's just because a lot of folks are so used to, oh, the, the, the play's dead when the goaltender touches it, because usually it is. Usually the goaltender is touching the puck because he's making a save or he's clearing it all the way out. It's very rare that we see the goaltender touch the puck and it wasn't a shot and it wasn't a rebound situation. But in this case, that's exactly what it was. 
There was a poke check that played a role in a game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Ottawa Senators as well. Brady Kachuk had a bit of an issue with Canes goaltender Pyotr Kochetkov. It, it, it was it involved the stick that found its way onto the ice. Notice I didn't say through the stick, found its way onto the ice. And then once the penalty shot was awarded, things got really heated between these two players. Let's Let's go through, first of all, the call and then the resulting penalty shot. Yeah, this was an interesting one that resulted in the penalty shot in the first place because they ruled that Kachetkov throws his stick to prevent a scoring attempt here, to prevent a goal, which that's up for debate. And that's not one that you can take a second look at. You're looking at the play and you're seeing what happened with Kachetkov on the play. You don't get to review the penalty. So the refs are calling this one real time. They're saying he threw his stick to prevent a goal. If he drops his stick, if he leaves an obstacle in the crease, if he piles up snow or anything like that, that is a penalty. If he throws his stick, it's a penalty shot. So I, I, I can see where, from an official standpoint, you're looking at the stick moving. He's going one way, the stick goes back the other way. So I, it's hard to argue the call when they're making it real time on the ice as we're dissecting the replay again and again and again. So that's the first part of it. The penalty shot only happens because the officials ruled that he threw his stick to deflect the puck. So. If you're going with that, then it is the right call to award a penalty shot. And that's where things really get fun on this play, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because on the ensuing penalty shot, well, Brady Kachuk does come in to take a shot. And lo and behold, Kachetkov decides he's going to use his stick again to try to prevent a scoring opportunity. <laughs> Man, it's it's all poke checks. It's all stick work here. And this is not the first time Kachetkov has pulled this kind of move before. We've seen it in the past, but... You do it to Brady Kachuk, you're, you're, you're really poking the bear there. And you can see he goes out, makes a play for the puck, and stops the puck. It, it wasn't a trip. He doesn't trip Kachuk. I mean, Kachuk does collide with him, but he's going out there to make a save. So there's no issue with this play itself other than the, the, the furious Kachuk getting fired up <laughs> afterwards and, and coming after him. But it's interesting, Todd. If the officials felt it was a trip, and like I said, he, he gets the puck here. It's a, it's a penalty shot situation, getting the puck's number one. So no issue on the play. But if they did feel it was a trip or that any sort of infraction was committed by the goaltender, the officials have the ability to wipe out the penalty shot and, and basically call a do-over. They, they could have had him rerun it. I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> I would really love to see that happen because I imagine everybody on both benches would freak out. Oh man, would you love it if if Kachuk not only he's fired up here, he's yelling at him, and now you know what we're gonna we're not gonna count that one. We're gonna say that that was uh, due to contact. We're wiping that out. Let's do it again, boys. Okay, let's go back a few days into this week. Almost forget about this because it was it was a few days ago and so much else has happened. But New Jersey Devils defenseman Brendan Smith was fined a little under $2,900, say it together, maximum allowable under the CBA. That for a dangerous trip of Seattle's Devon Shore. Smith got a minor penalty. Player safety said, uh, give us a few dollars as well. It's the holiday season. We're a little short right now. Again, to me... I'm going to use the phrase, this looks like a slew foot. This is a slew foot. This is a textbook slew foot. He's using his upper body to throw the opposing player backwards, and he's kicking out his skates from underneath him. That is what the rule book says a slew foot is, and that's absolutely what we see on this play. So I, I'm, I'm glad that he got something for it, but the penalty call in the game should have been a slew foot, and, and I'd like to see a little bit more. If we don't want this to happen, we need one-game bans for guys who are doing this, and especially when you have a guy who just got back from a suspension. I, I don't know. I, I like when we talked about the FPHL last week, they have that multiplier where you get suspended and then subsequent infractions go up and up. And I, I think I would have liked to have seen that here. 
Well, in a game involving the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jackets, there were A, a lot of goals scored, but there was also what I believe was another slew footing incident that involved William Lagason and Patrick Laine. Uh, Laine ends up falling awkwardly into the boards. He, he left with what appeared to be a shoulder injury. But again, not much was said about the penalty. It was a, a two-minute tripping call to, to Lagason. But this also looks like a slew foot. Uh, yeah, and it's another one where these are dangerous plays. It's it's these types of things. And I know we've, we've had issues with the league where they come back and say it was a dangerous trip. We get that fine. We get the suspension for the quote-unquote dangerous trip. But it's more than just a trip. And I don't know why they're afraid to come down and say it's a slew foot. He's clearly kicking his legs out. That is the textbook definition of what a slew foot is. And I, I just don't understand, Todd, why the league wouldn't want to come down harder on these types of plays. It's dangerous. You're seeing star players getting injured and you're okay with uh, taking it easy and calling it a trip when it's a slew foot. Accidental or not, you have to be in control of your stick. You should be in control of the rest of your body as well, don't you think? Yeah, no accident there. Yeah, okay. Okay, let's go back uh, a few more days once again. And Tampa Bay Lightning forward Austin Watson, well, he showed his frustration against his former team nonetheless in the Nashville Predators as the Lightning were about to suffer a loss. Watson decides he's going to fire the puck the length of the ice, except it's sort of accidentally on purpose hits Jeremy Lozon. As you can imagine, this is not well received by the Predators or the officials or the Department of Player Safety who had him fork over about $2,000. Stupid play. You should actually get suspended for it. Uh, stupid, stupid play. Again, something that's dangerous. I... Look, if I'm going to pick my battles, I can live with not having a suspension for this play. It's unsportsmanlike. It's a dirty play. It could result in an injury. You're shooting the puck at the end. It's right at the horn, so it wasn't after the buzzer, but you're down by multiple goals. There's there's no chance that this is going to make any difference in the game. Uh, I know we see beer leaguers do it all the time. I mean, this is this is kind of the, the jerk move that you do, and Austin Watson has proven himself to be a jerk in the past and living up to it here, but I, I can live without the suspension for this one. I, I don't think it's, it's not that it's not deserved, but I think I'd rather say, Hey, you know what? This is a fine. Let's go suspend those slew feet that we saw earlier though. True enough. True <laughs> enough. Okay. Let's deal with some of the unusual and weird things that happened as well. Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators, Dylan Larkin gets crunched in front of the Sens net. He's first hit by Matthew Joseph and then Larkin as a result contacts Parker Kelly and falls to the ice. He is out on the ice and Larkin's teammate, David Perron, sees his captain in distress. And of course, what he does is immediately charge after Artem Zub, who is not involved in the particular instance, but suffers a serious cross-check to the side of the head. Larkin is okay. Um, we'll wait and see how long he's out of the lineup. Joseph and Perry got minors okay. Perron gets major, a game, a six-game suspension, which he is appealing. I'm not sure why he's appealing it. I think he should be counting his uh, lucky stars that it's only six games. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the Larkin play because as ugly as it was, and I know it's it's a high hit there and we have, we have Joseph coming up high with him, but this is one of those situations where I'm going to say that the, the right call was made. It's a minor penalty. Yes, horrific injury. We don't want anybody getting hurt. But on this play, it was really like the confluence of events that came together there. It was a high cross check. He happens to go right into the other player's stick. And, and that's really where the damage was done. So I would say that the intent was there to hit him high, but it, he wasn't 
going for an intent to injure. I, if, if we didn't have two players coming together at that moment, I don't think you have that injury to Larkin. So it's really unfortunate, but I don't think we can penalize for the outcome as much as, as what the intent was. There's no question on the intent for David Perron though, because he is coming in here. Like you said, he's, he's headhunting. He's going up high for Zub. Zub has nothing to do with the whole thing. It's after the fact. And you, you can't let him get away with this one. It is purely intent to injure. We've seen egregious plays in the past that the league has not issued as strong of a suspension for. So I, I'm glad to see them do six games. But if I'm Artem Zub, I'm going to the, my players association folks and saying, why are you appealing this? Who's sticking up for me here? It's like at the players associations defending Perron, but look at the fact that that Zub is getting cross-checked in the face. He's lucky he didn't sustain a serious injury on the play from this intent to injure thing. But why is the players uh, why is the player association sticking up for the guy who attacked one of their members, right? Well, I'm I'm wondering if there's a, a bit of a move by the players association going on right now, quite frankly, because any of the decent suspensions that have been handed out have all been appealed. They've all been upheld by the commissioner, but this one now goes beyond the five games. It's a six game suspension. I, I expect uh, the the commissioner will uphold it if it, they do appeal it to the independent arbitrator. I'm not sure what happens but it really seems like the players association is getting very active here i don't know if this is a long-term play to to look at suspensions and subsequent uh penalties like this and and how they're administered but uh we've seen a lot of a uh, uh, vehement denials of any wrongdoing, so to speak. Yeah, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw uh, NHL player safety a bone here and say that for folks that criticize them, you know, if you're really concerned with player safety, they need to crack down. They need to do more. If anyone should be concerned with player safety, it's the players' association. And yes. in CBA negotiations, and in the past, they're fighting for fewer punishments. They're the ones who cap the maximum fine at $5,000. We all have a laugh about it, but that's all that, that player safety can do short of doing issuing a suspension there. The Players Association in the CBA negotiations requested and negotiated that the maximum is 5,000 or the max is 10,000, and it, it can escalate to 15 for repeat offenders. We never see those. It's in there because the Players Association doesn't want its members getting fined for injuring its other members. So if, if anybody should be concerned with player safety, you would think the Players Association would, would be the ones charged with that, but they're the ones who are doing their best to minimize punishment. And it really seems crazy. Uh, crazy is one way to describe it, yes. <laughs> I, I want to ask about uh, a few different situations, and let's let's kind of group this, this next bit together. Uh, Evander Kane did not get any boarding penalty for his big hit from behind on Minnesota's Jonas Brodeen this past week. I watched this I don't know how many times and said to myself the same thing. I, do, I don't know how this is not a penalty. It, it seemed like it should be. Now, funnily enough, I believe it was 24 hours later, um, there was a hit from behind from Buffalo's Eric Robinson, who did get a major penalty for his hit on Montreal's Justin Barron. It, it seems that there is too wide a discrepancy between these two calls. Uh, yeah, it's and it's frustrating. And the league even admits as much in the boarding rule of saying there's an enormous amount of judgment involved in the application of this rule. The onus is on the player applying the check to ensure his opponent is not in a defenseless position. And if so, he must avoid or minimize contact but then they look at the complete circumstances. Did the opponent put himself in a vulnerable position? Was the check unavoidable? What happened on the play to cause this? And I understand that, that there are fast events in hockey. Things move. Players change their positioning all the time. 
the Kane one was clearly boarding to me. I, I was baffled that there was no call on that. And remember, if there's not a call on the ice, there's no opportunity to review it. In the other situations where we've had the major penalty get called and they review and confirm it as they did on the Eric Robinson play, I, I, I get that, but I, I just I can't figure out where the consistency is. I know we have different officials. I know we have the league working to try to make sure that they're maintaining this standard. I, I haven't talked to any of the NHL refs, but I'm certain that Walkham and his crew were sending out video clips and trying to level set with everybody on where we're at with that boarding standard because it does feel like it's all over the place. It's got a ton of press, so obviously eyes are on the league when it comes to consistency. You've got Kyle Oposo calling them out after this hit on. We just want to know from game to game what's what's consistency. Why are we getting different? types of calls here and I, I think the other part of it i i hate to say this but when torts complained uh, a few weeks back about guys not knowing how to take a hit some of this it looks like we've got guys who aren't necessarily ready for impact or they're positioning themselves to play the puck thinking that they're they're going to draw a boarding call or that it's not going to be a legal hit but not necessarily bracing themselves for impact or putting themselves in a position to take the hit now, that doesn't excuse them. We still have players who need to deliver a safe and legal body check. But I feel like all of that comes together. And then you have inconsistent enforcement from the officials or, or a difference of, of how they're calling it. And it's frustrating for everybody. You don't know what to do. And if it's me, Todd, I'd rather err on the side of calling it. Let's let's if it looks like a major, let's let's call the major. And I know the league does not want to review via replay or officiate via replay. The, the instructions are not for refs to say, this is a major, let's reduce it, or let's just call it so we can review it. They instruct the officials to call what they see on the ice. But man, in these kinds of situations, I think it's it's worth a second look if you think it could be a major. And we have the technology, we have players getting hurt. Maybe that's something the league looks at to say, if you're borderline, if you're on the fence, let's huddle up and let's call it a major. We've seen that in some games, but it seems like there are some hits that are not getting that same treatment. Another example of that would be the Ross Colton hit on Chris Tanov. A Colorado player hits uh, the Calgary defenseman into the back. There's no penalty called on there. But let's let's move to the one that really got a lot of attention as well. And to your point about players not necessarily bracing themselves and that they owe some responsibility. I actually heard some commentators suggesting that this is on good Branson, that he's, he's turning into the puck to turn behind the net. So he's responsible. It's still a dirty play by Nick cousins to drive him yeah. into the end boards. And he should be penalized severely for it. Originally called a major, it gets reduced to a two minute minor penalty, which is baffling to me. I was equally baffled by this call here. It, it's it's a clear hit through the boards. It's a dangerous one. Um, it's crazy watching Good Branson pop back up. The guy looks like he's out, and then boom, he's right back up. Like uh, oh, he was he, milking it. I I will say he was <laughs> yeah. he laid on the ice to to ensure that the call was made. But he popped right up and had the gloves off and fist flying pretty quickly. That uh, was it was pretty funny, honestly. But uh, only funny because he wasn't seriously injured on the play. And what it comes down to on this is the degree of violence of the impact with the boards. That's the difference between a minor and a major penalty when we've got a boarding call here. And, you know, he's hitting him squarely into the boards. It's funny, Todd, with all these calls, none of them are checking from behind, right? We're all looking at boarding calls yeah. because of it's the impact with the boards that's at play here. But I, I absolutely was on board with the penalty. Very surprised to see them reduce it to a minor. I, I'm I'm not sure that I don't see this as a violent impact to the boards. Uh, remember, they they do have the option to wave out the penalty off completely. So obviously, they felt the contact was deserving of a minor penalty. It wasn't one of those situations where, you know, this was a, a different situation or something where it wasn't a penalty. They're saying it was a minor penalty for boarding, but 
the degree of violence is not sufficient to be a major. And I, I'll, I'll disagree with that. I, I'm, I'm on board with that. So uh, following this particular incident, just a couple of minutes later, when everyone emerges from the penalty box, Eric Gabranson also disagrees with the justice <laughs> that is handed out by the NHL referees and decides he'll take matters into his own hands and jumps Nick Cousins and so many of the uh, dinosaurs that cover the National Hockey League criticize Nick Cousins for being a coward and uh and, and the like for not wanting to fight, to not answer the bell. You're, you're not obligated to fight in the National Hockey League. Last time I checked, it was illegal. That aside, you can't handle this the way Gabranson <laughs> did and not escape further penalty, and he's been suspended for a game. Yeah, and and deservedly so. You can't go after a guy. I mean, he he did get the, uh, the instigator there, which uh, if ever there was an instigator, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, and they, and even in their suspension, it was cited for the aggressor in an altercation. And there's no question. There's no arguing that one. I am with you though, Todd on answering the bell. I, I think players are expected to stand up for themselves and, and play a hard game, but I don't think you have to have an obligation to fight when you threw a clean hit, even a, a questionable hit. Fighting is part of the game. It happens in the game. But like you said, it's against the rules. It's illegal. You get a penalty for it. But I, I just can't bite on the idea that, you know, every hit you might need to defend yourself and you need to stand up for yourselves and and you need to be prepared to drop the gloves and and throw down because you delivered a hard, clean, legal body check. Sure, some of the illegal ones like this one was uh, obviously a, a bit a bit rougher, a bit more questionable, but I still don't think there's an obligation to fight. You know, take a number out there, play the guys hard. I think that the challenge, though, is I feel like players, I know fans and broadcasters are already on board for this. I feel like perhaps there's a lack of confidence that the officials are calling things right. And if they can't be confident that the officials are going to hand out the right penalty, this is what you're going to get. And you shouldn't. And, you know, good Branson shouldn't be doing this. I'm glad he got suspended for it. I can't expect Cousins to fight, but I can expect Cousins to sit in the box for two, five, ten maybe get suspended for a game for the hit. And, and that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, you can't take the law into your own hands like Good Branson quite literally did here. But I, I think maybe this, this needs to uh, go back to the league offices and say, do we need to enforce the law a little bit better so that this doesn't happen? So as we've seen over this last week in the National Hockey League with multiple hits from behind, vigilante justice, cross checks to the head, we are clearly at the time of peace on earth and goodwill <laughs> towards men. Happy holidays. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at ref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. That's good play.